Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all this morning and great to be here in contemporary worship today. Uh, In this, the second week after Easter, of course, we're in Easter tide in the church's life. And so our text of scripture this morning from Luke's gospel is one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And here's how it happened. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Well, they were startled and terrified and they thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? Why do, you, do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So where, where do you go when you just want to get away from it all? I mean, we all have some place we can hide out from life. Uh, you know, it, for you, it might be Netflix. You know, just go into that room and close the curtains or the shutters, turn on the movies, and you just get away from it all, maybe with a pint of ice cream. Or, you know, go big, go home, half gallon. Uh, <laughs> maybe for you, it's not so much a place at the house, but you have to get out of the house, and you don't really care where it is. I mean, you might go to the mall, you might go to the golf course, you might go to the gym, but you just got to get away from it for a while and get your head clear. Or for you, you, you might have some favorite spot in Hawaii that you go to to get away from it. Or maybe for you, it's Las Vegas, and you just, it's a different world, and you just get away from it there. But we all have some place that we go to get away from it all. I, I, I imagine if I just asked you this morning, how many of you feel like you need a vacation? It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hands, you know. It's just, but most of the time, I think I need a vacation. I need to get away from it. Luke tells us this story now at the end of the gospel about people who are trying to get away from it all. I mean, just prior to the text I read is the story of these two guys who are walking to Emmaus from Jerusalem, and they're walking along, and Jesus comes to walk with them, and they don't recognize who he is. And they start talking to him, and they start telling him the story of everything that's been happening and what they're trying to get away from. And he starts 
telling them uh, what actually is happening and, and you know, he, he opens their minds, as it says in our text today, to the scriptures, and then they recognize him. Well, this is contrasted with the story this morning where they do recognize him immediately when he's in their, in their midst. So somehow Jesus is both uh, the same but different in the resurrection. Jesus, who bursts suddenly and brilliantly on the scene of human history, and some people said they caught this sight of what God intended for human life in him. Suddenly it all ended outside the city walls. It was the agony of the noise, the confusion, the darkness, the, the sound of that hammer pounding as it wafted across the valley. And it all was over. And afterwards, most people shrugged their shoulders and went down the hill and back to life as usual. But then this rumor begins to whisper through the city that he's risen. It's astounding claim, really, and it's completely illogical. And two of these guys had to just get away from it all and try and get their heads clear, so they went off to Emmaus on a walk. Emmaus is wherever you go to get away from it all. Two friends of Jesus were hanging, were trying to hang on to the Christ that they knew. And the world around them behaved as if Christ never existed, or if he did, it didn't matter. It was over. He didn't make any difference. He is risen. This whisper keeps going through the community. We know the report, and it just seems so wild and just as crazy because so much more plausible and manageable things have happened since that time. But whatever words we try to find to use to say what happened, whatever words we try to water it down with, what happened was this, Jesus wasn't dead anymore. And he wasn't a ghost either. He was the same, but different. Maybe you caught the uh, news report this week. I saw it on Friday night on ABC. Uh, this week in Las Vegas in a courtroom there, the secret behind one of magician David Copperfield's most famous illusion, illusions was revealed in the courtroom as part of a lawsuit that he faces. He, his attorney explained how the uh, popular vanishing crowd trick works in the court, as they heard. Gavin Cox, a former participant, is suing Copperfield and MGM and a construction company because he said he's badly injured in 2013 at a performance in Las Vegas. In the illusion, 13 people disappear from this suspended cage on top of a stage, and then they reappear in the back of the audience a little bit later. And it's been done with over 100,000 audience members over the past 15 years. The curtains are dropped. The participants who are on this platform are removed from the 
platform, according to Copperfield's attorney. The trick then involves all of these people rushing off stage, and they take this route to end up in the back of the theater. And Cox, who's suing, said that in the chaos backstage, during his participation, he fell over some construction zone materials, and he has suffered uh, permanent brain damage as a result of his fall. So Copperfield's representative said the trick has been done for 15 years with no issues. And he's a, Copperfield himself is expected to testify next week and maybe pressed to reveal more about how the trick is done or how other tricks are done. But the attorneys for Copperfield and MGM Grand in their opening statements and the closing arguments and in the other portions of the trial, they're hoping to keep details of the magician's illusions from being disclosed to the public. Now you can imagine why. They argued that these are trade secrets. Cox's attorney argued that people other than Copperfield, including audience participation, know how the trick is carried out. So just this week in Las Vegas, there's a huge scandal over a magician's trick. Is that all that the resurrection is, is a magician's trick? An illusion? Jesus as an illusion? Now, what's happening in Las Vegas is nothing compared to the scandal that happened in the first century. And I can't protect you from that scandal. I can't help you avoid it. These reports tell us that these people were scared out of their minds on Easter morning. And they were shocked and they, they were surprised after what they had seen to see Jesus come walking back into their lives, especially they're trying to get away from it all. They're going to Emmaus. They're hiding in an upper room. They want to get out of this. And the emphasis in these reports in the Gospels is not so much on how people respond to Jesus, but on what Jesus reveals about God's intentions. What he reveals about himself and what he reveals about the fulfillment of everything God has been talking about through the centuries, through the prophets and through the writings and through the law of Moses. Luke goes to great lengths to show that this was not something people were expecting or even wanting. It wasn't some magician's trick. There was nothing that they knew about life and death and reality that prepared them for what they experienced. So is this some kind of fake news? I mean, that's a phrase that's new in our vocabulary, isn't it? The writers bend over backwards to show that the minds and the hearts of the people hearing the reports were terribly skeptical. First century people knew the difference between a good story and an account of what actually happened. They had the same experience of doubt and confusion that any of us would have had in hearing this report. So these two guys go off to Emmaus looking for some place to bury the brokenness of their lives, and instead they find someone that life would not bury. 
They head to, to Emmaus looking for one thing, and they find something completely different and unexpected. It's kind of like Columbus heading out to discover India and finding a whole new world. As for these people, their situation was the same. But they were different. And in the story of the Emmaus Road encounter, it ends with Jesus being invited to join him for dinner, and then he breaks bread and he becomes the host. And it began to dawn on them as they watched him break the bread that they could accept the brokenness of life. It's part of living. And yet in the brokenness, they found someone whose living presence with them could help them live with that brokenness and live beyond that brokenness and live above that brokenness and live around that brokenness. And they discovered that even in the midst of brokenness, the glory had a way of coming through. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a world in which there's no estrangement, there's no bitterness, there's no reason for me to want to get away from it all, there's no depression. I'm looking for a world where there's no war of any kind, there's no racism, there's no class struggle, no poverty, no pollution, no disease, no suffering. I want a world where there's nothing but love. Love, more love. But I'm on the wrong track. And on the other hand, if I'm satisfied with the world as I find it, I'm satisfied with the shabbiness of my own life, I'm also on the wrong track. But if I can see that there will be brokenness in this world as well as breakthroughs, and that brokenness may be a necessary prelude to the very breakthrough of God, into the brokenness of my experience. I discover that my life is not over at any stage. No matter where I am, it isn't over. It's just beginning. If Christ is really alive, the effort we've spent in life isn't lost. It's an investment. And Easter just kind of keeps happening. Death doesn't get bypassed. But in a totally unexpected way, death gets surpassed. So these two stories taken together in Luke 24 of the Emmaus Road experience where Jesus is not recognizable and then this one where he stands in front of his disciples in this room, he somehow both present and identifiable, but mysterious. It's a mysterious but real nature of resurrection. The resurrected Christ, the same but different. And the real central claim of the text is that Easter is the fulfillment of all the witness of the scriptures and of God's unfolding plan for salvation itself. It brings to fruition all that God intends for our lives. 
The crucified, the resurrected Christ is the key to unlocking the mystery of it all. And here in this text, the verb opened is used several times. Verse 20, chapter 24, verse 45. It's the same Greek word that's used earlier in the chapter when the eyes of the two walking on the road to Emmaus, their eyes were opened. Jesus in turn opened the scripture to them. It says, then he opened their minds to understand. But he didn't just leave them with understanding. He gave them a task. That repentance and forgiveness of sins to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. You are witnesses to these things, he says. Openness. How open are you really? Are you just trying to get away from it all? Or are you kind of leaning into life? Faith in Christ doesn't take us out of the world. We, too, in faith are the same, but different. I mean, here's a woman in her 40s. She feels unhappy about her life and about getting older. She takes her daughter to her first horseback riding lesson. As a girl... This mother always wanted to learn to ride, but she was unable to do so. So as she thinks, at least her daughter will learn. But taking her daughter added to her own sense of depression about her aging. She felt her own life was kind of nearly over. It would always be incomplete because her childhood dreams were still unfulfilled. She goes back home with her daughter after the lesson and she discovers a little book that her daughter had made when she was eight years old in third grade in her class. And in the book, there's a page for eight pages, one for each year of her life. And on each page is a picture of her daughter at that age so she can see the development. And she, uh, it was called the me book. And it chronicled her daughter's life up to that point in just eight pages. Slowly, the mother turning the pages, looking at her daughter's picture, it made her even sadder. Her daughter looked so young, she felt so old. Then she came to the last page, and she expected it to say the end. But it didn't. Instead, it said the beginning. And the mother kind of shook her head and it took a moment for the meaning to begin to sink in that that teacher had the students write the beginning on the last page instead of the end because their lives were only beginning at that point. And this little sunshine began to break into that mother's understanding and into her life again. Her own life wasn't at the end. It wasn't even nearing the end. It was at the beginning it changed her attitude. She decided it wasn't too late for her to learn to ride a horse, so she went back and talked to, the, to her daughter's instructor, and very soon she, too, was on a horseback riding around the track, too. She learned something. Never to think of any time as the end of your life, for every time is only the beginning of the rest of it. Even death itself 
since Christ is risen, is the beginning of a life beyond our wildest imagining. That's the reality these disciples discover in the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel. It was just the beginning when they thought it was the end. So what is it this morning you need the resurrected Christ to open in you or for you? Well, Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. You are now my witnesses of these things. Thanks be to God. Amen.